This is the Dr. Nicole Yee Show, where we discuss life goals, mindset blocks that prevent you from living your purpose, and have fun while doing it, all for a better mind, a better life, and a better you. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole best-selling author and life coach, and I'm so excited that you're here today to join me as we discuss self-kindness. Happy Tuesday, guys, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you're new to me, welcome. I'm excited that you're here. And if you're not new, welcome back. Glad that you're spending your time with me. Now, I understand that there's so many things vying for our time and our attention, and there's other places that we could give or dedicate our time to. And so the fact that you're spending it here with me means a ton. Last week, we talked about the power of thoughts and affirming better things into our life. This week, I want to talk about self-kindness. So many of us have heard the airplane phenomenon. You know when you're on a plane and they, the flight attendant shares a message and she says, if the plane were to go down, make sure you put your mask on you before you put it on to anyone else. Well, this summer I was recently at Paris in Paris with my daughters and I hear this spiel. And every time I hear it, I think the same thing. Like, well, I'm a mom and I want to make sure that my children are taken care of before I am. But the reality is if we get to the root of it, we can't be effective or take care of anyone else unless we first take care of ourselves. And so if I'm not putting my face mask on, God forbid the plane goes down, I'm not putting my face mask on because I'm putting it on my children. I might get it on one daughter, but then I'm passed out before I got it on the second. But if I take care of myself, then I have the opportunity to help both of my daughters and then maybe other people on the plane as well. But I think as women, we forget this. We, we put everyone else first and we put ourselves on the back burner. And as cliche as this may sound, you can't pour from an empty cup, meaning that you must first take care of yourself before you can be impactful or helpful or beneficial to anyone else. We have to be unwilling to put ourselves on that back burner if we truly love other people. We must truly love ourselves. And so I want to talk about self-compassion and self-kindness and what that looks like in our life. So self-compassion is extending compassion to your own self in instances where you feel like you're inadequate or you failed or even when you're suffering. It entails being warm or kind to yourself when you're encountering pain or personal shortcomings rather than ignoring yourself or hurting yourself with criticism and harsh words. While it sounds extremely simple, most of us have a really difficult, difficult time implementing it. Being kind to yourself should come naturally, and unfortunately, we believe that we should only be kind to other people, or we should only be kind to people who deserve it. But out of my own perception and my own experience, I see that we avoid being kind to ourselves in the same way that we would show kindness to other people even when we deserve it most. You know, we're most, we are most critical of ourselves when we have a setback or when we have a failure or when we don't feel good enough or inadequate. But those are the very moments and the very times that we actually deserve to be more kind to ourselves, that we should be able to treat ourselves with patience and tenderness and comfort in the same way we would give that to, to other people. 
And so when we talk about self-kindness, I know this concept can be challenging. It can be overwhelming. It can probably be a little frustrating because sometimes we don't even know where to begin. Like we may do certain things, like maybe we get our nails done and we think that this is a great way to show compassion or kindness to ourselves. But the truth is there's more to it than going to get our nails done. But the good news is I have a strategy that I use with my clients that I'm going to share with you today. And so the strategy helps to break down the process of how to be kind to yourself. So the first step in increasing your self-compassion or your self-kindness is to think about the most compassionate person in your life. So maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an old teacher, whoever it is, I want you to think about that person. And I want you to think about what kinds of behaviors or key factors stand out to you for how they engage with you and how they treat you? Is it something they say? Is it a physical touch? Is it something they buy for you? Is it something that they do? What is it that that person is doing? If you can't think of someone in your life Maybe think of like a fictional character, right? We all have people that we look on social media or on TV shows and we're like, wow, you know, mine is Randall from This Is Us. I think he's such an awesome spouse in that show. Now, obviously there is no such thing as a Randall from This Is Us in real life and he can be a totally different person in his day-to-day -day life. But I really like the way he shows compassion in his wife. He makes decisions with her mutually. He respects her. He honors her. He just is a, he's a really, really good, a good man. And so um, that can be an example. Maybe you see someone on TV that's able to show compassion. What do you notice with that person? Can you single out any, any key factors that help you identify what makes them so compassionate? Is, there, is it their words? Is it their gestures? Is it their looks? Is it the touch? Is it what they do? It, the next thing you can do is I want you to consider yourself in relation to another person. So in what ways are you showing kindness to another person? So maybe it's the things that you go above and beyond for your spouse with or for your children with or for your students or your colleagues or your best friend or your parents or your you know ailing grandparents, whatever it may be. What about yourself stands out? What key factors stand out? Is it the way that you look at them? Is it the way you care for them? Is it the way you follow through? Is it the creative ideas? Is, is it the support? Is it the attention or the time that you give? Now use these factors that you considered to help you become a nice person to you. Meaning that when you consider what it is that you're doing for other people or what someone has done for you to show compassion, think about how you can apply that to yourself. And so maybe it's the person that shows compassion to you, maybe it's that they spend time with you. They take time out of their busy schedule and sit down with you and listen to your concerns and just sit with you. So you can take that and apply that to yourself as well. So in your busy, hectic, crazy schedule, you can stop and be still and journal your feelings or sit and listen to what your body is telling you or to reflect or meditate or do yoga. But you can show that same self-compassion to yourself that you're willing and ready to give to other people. You can show the same compassion to yourself that other people are willing to give to you because ultimately you deserve it. Learning to practice self-kindness and self-compassion is going to take time and practice because the truth of the matter is, is we've normalized the idea of being nasty or negative 
to ourselves. We've normalized the fact that it's okay to say negative things or to think negative things or to put ourselves on the back, you know, the back burner. And then we wonder why we burn out or why we are so quick to be irritable or frustrated or why we feel exhausted or depressed. It's because we've normalized being mean to ourselves. And self-compassion and self-kindness can really flip that switch. It can really turn that around. And so learning to practice that can be as simple as implementing subtle shifts in your life. Small, little, what we think are insignificant changes to make big, tremendous changes, right? So it could be saying no to a commitment that doesn't excite you. So if you know that you've been saying yes to 50 million different commitments and someone asks for something else, but it's not something that inspires you, it doesn't motivate you or, or excite you, say no. That's okay. For every no you say to something else is a yes you say to yourself. I personally just had this experience earlier this year. I, my daughter's Girl Scout troop did not have another leader. And so I chose to be a leader. I was kind of voluntold to be a leader because they shared that if we didn't get a, a second leader, the troop would end. And so I was the leader for a year and six months. And with everything I have going on, this was not an exciting commitment. You know, I was glad that I was able to be there and help my daughter and see how Girl Scouts is run on the back end. But I have so many other things that I'm committed to. And so I continued to like beat myself up about agreeing to a commitment that I wasn't sure I, I wanted. And so eventually I came to a place where I said, you know what? I can't continue to commit to this. This isn't showing myself love because I need to be committed to other things that need my time and attention. And would you know that when I shared that with the other moms, we immediately had another person step in to be a troop leader. And so I don't mind helping when I can or giving back or staying and helping to watch the kids and supporting in other ways. I just can't commit to something that doesn't make me jump for joy. And the same goes for you. I think as women, we overcommit on a regular basis and then we wind up frustrated and overwhelmed because we're caring all of these expectations, and it's exhausting. So another subtle shift could be cutting down your to-do list. We, I'm just gonna be real, we all have these expansive to-do lists where there's 50 million things on there. Cut it down and identify three things that you won't be okay with not doing during the day. It doesn't need to be emptying the dishwasher. It doesn't need to be mopping the floor. It doesn't need to be any of that if that is not a life or death thing. So maybe it's that big project your boss has you working on and maybe it's the paper that you need to write for a school and maybe it's committing to working on your business plan. Those are three really important things, but notice that in comparison to your dishwasher. Right? We have these huge lists, and what I find is the bigger the list, the less likely, likely we are to get through anything altogether. Because if we have you know, three things, then it feels manageable, it feels within reach. But if we have 30 things, eventually we're going to be like, oh, I'll forget that list and throw in the towel, and then that list continues to grow. So don't exhaust yourself thinking that you have to have this extensively long to-do list. Another subtle shift will be implementing affirmations, reminding yourself that you're valuable, affirming your worth, affirming your success, affirming the things that you desire. If you didn't catch last week's episode, go back and watch it because we talked in depth about the benefit of affirmations. Another subtle shift would be um, limiting your consumption of negative things. So I firmly believe that 
most of our problems in life is because we are unwilling to sit still with our thoughts. If you sit still with your thoughts for even a short time, your body will tell you a lot. Your body will tell you things that are exhausting you. Your body will tell you areas in your life that are draining you. Your body will tell you things that excite you and motivate you and inspire you. But a lot of times we, we brush that off. How many times you go to an environment where you know you're not really wanted, you feel tolerated, but you go because you kind of feel like you have to? Change it. Change that space. Listen to your body and stop consuming things that are negative and stop going in places that are toxic. So that may be limiting social media. Maybe you take a fast or a break from it. That may be blocking or muting people on social media. That may be unfriending people. That may be changing different environments you go to. Like if you go to a church that's very toxic or negative, and yes, churches can be, change your church. If you're at a job that's unhealthy, that makes you unhappy, apply for a new job. You're not stuck anywhere unless you want to be there. So the same thing goes with toxic people. If you're in a toxic or unhealthy relationship, Start reflecting on what you need to do to move forward. Is it simple, as simple as having a, commun a communication conversation with your partner and explaining your concerns and seeing if they'll change? Or is it time that you leave that unhealthy situation? Take time to listen to your body and limit the consumption of negative things and refuse to stay in environments that are toxic and unhealthy for you. Finally, another subtle shift that you can do is to treat your body with love and care. And so again, this goes back to listening to your body. If you know you're tired, rest. If you know you're irritable, take a moment to regroup. Listen to what it is that your body needs. Our bodies aren't stupid. I mean, I think about like when I'm sick, I will fiend for chicken noodle soup. And I don't know if that's just a mental thing, but sometimes I think that's my body's way of replenishing what I've lost from being ill. And so the same goes for you. If your body's telling you you're exhausted, your body's trying to regroup and to restore and to replenish what else you've been taking from it. So listen to your body and treat it with love and care. Don't burn yourself out. You know, listen to what it needs. If you know that you've been feeling you know, out of breath and exhausted because you're really out of shape and you want to commit to exercising, listen to that commitment that you made and exercise regularly. Make that a regular practice. These are subtle shifts that you can begin to make in your life that will make significant changes. We don't have to be rude to ourselves. In fact, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is to be kind, is to be compassionate, is to be caring. The reality is you teach people how to treat you. And so if you run yourself ragged and you talk to yourself like crap, people are going to run you ragged and talk to you like crap. And so if you want changes to happen, you must first start with that change in yourself. The reality is we are our own worst enemy, not only in our thoughts, but in our actions as well and the way we live our life. The good news is it doesn't have to be that way any longer. You can start implementing these subtle shifts as early as today. So I challenge you to think, what ways can you begin implementing changes to improve your self-kindness beginning today? I can't wait to hear what you guys are going to learn, engage as you continue to make these shifts in your life. 
I'm going to head out, guys, but thank you so, so much for joining me today. I thank you for dedicating time to your personal development. There's a lot of other things that you can dedicate your time to, but investing in yourself is always going to have the best outcome. And so I just honor that. And if, if you were here, I'd give you a high five or a hug, depending upon what you wanted, but I just honor that. So make sure you catch me next week. And until next time, I'll chat with you guys later.